0: Hi, welcome to Forbes India's The Startup Fridays podcast. I'm Hari Arkley, Tech Editor at Forbes India, and in these podcasts, we'll bring you conversations with entrepreneurs who are finding opportunities in solving a variety of problems in multiple areas, from agriculture and satellite imagery to digital finance and cryptocurrencies. We'll also talk to investors from venture capital companies and other folks who are playing a significant role in India's maturing startup scene. You can find a new episode every Friday evening. You can also find us live on Instagram every Friday morning. Stay safe and happy listening. Our guest this week is uh, Vivek Goel, co-founder and CEO of Mobiles AR Technologies, much more popularly known as Play Shifu. Uh, He and his co-founder Dinesh have uh, built award-winning STEM toys that combine uh, physical and uh, uh, physical and touch and feel toys with uh, digital apps and connectivity that can convert your children's screen time into a much more interactive and a learning activity. And uh, Play Shifo has also recently raised, uh, I think it's Series B round of funding uh, to expand their operations. So, without uh, further ado, uh, Vivek, welcome to this show. Fantastic to have you here this morning.
1: Thank you so much, Hari. Glad to be here. Glad to be talking to you. Excellent.
0: So, uh, for those of us who are not very familiar with uh, Play Shifu, Tell us a bit about uh, your company. How did you and Dinesh uh, come to start this? What was the problem that you were looking to address? How has it evolved over the years?
1: Sure, so we started PlayShip for about four and a half years ago, uh, but Dinesh and I go way back. We together did our undergrad from IT Hardpur and have been friends for more than 15 years now. And uh, you know we have been in touch. We knew, both of us knew that we, aspire to do something of our own uh so while we did uh, explore many different things to make sure that we have the right skills and experience uh in 2016 we decided to take the plunge uh, together uh, and while we were exploring uh you know many verticals of what we can do one thing we were very clear of is is we want to do something impactful uh consumer space and both of us have been you know, in the consumer product industry uh, all already. So we were not of the kind that we have to make a digital-only product. Uh, and, you know, while explorations, many things, uh, and, uh, you know, we had uh, seen the issues uh, uh, that we've experienced ourselves. So Dinesh had a five-year-old at that point of time. I had a toddler. So this is something that both of us faced, that we wanted to engage kids in meaningful learning play activities using toys and toys were just not able to hold attention of kids these days. They're exposed to so many screens around. Mm. Uh, so we thought that this is a worthy problem to address. This is something that can impact the, the generation alpha and, and that's how we deep dive into this.
0: Mm. Tell us a little bit about yourself as well. Mm. You have an MBA from Stanford University. You work with some very well-known companies. What uh, kind of propelled you towards entrepreneurship?
1: Right. So, uh, you know, post IIT Kharagpur I worked with PNG for three years, and that's where Dinesh and I together both worked uh, you know, with the uh, and And post that, I went on to do my MBA from Stanford. Uh, it was uh, the stint at Stanford, and two years after that, that really opened up my eyes and horizon and, and thinking style, you know, you, where, uh, you know, I got absorbed completely into the product side of things and technology, and uh, you know, started looking at consumer problems that can be solved with the aid of technology, and, and how do how does technology impact? Got exposed to you know augmented reality, virtual reality technologies in the U.S. Uh, you know, saw how early experimentations are going on, and and that's what kind of energized me uh, to try those on. In terms of entrepreneurship, that's just you know being in the Silicon Valley gets that into your blood. You mm-hmm. start aspiring to become an entrepreneur and uh, that's where i tried one doing one startup in the us didn't work out and then finally came back and and, and started fiction
0: you you are uh, you have offices in the us and in india currently are you based in bangalore or in the us
1: yeah we are headquartered out of bangalore uh, we opened up a small office in in the bay area but due to pandemic you know we couldn't scale it uh, mm. but the idea is post pandemic uh, you know we scale uh, that office primarily for connecting with our users, we have a lot of users in the US, uh, connecting with our users, you know, getting them into a play zone and, and trying something new, stuff out, and primarily our, our sales team can be based out of that.
0: Okay, time to get into the heart of the matter. I mean, Tell us about uh, your main toys, uh, Orboot, Plugo, Tacto.
1: Sure, so Orboot was the first platform that we launched, the first product that we launched back in 2017, December. And it's basically, you know, the world's first AR globe. Uh, we launched it via Kickstarter because that's the place to go for in terms of innovative world-first products. And we got a phenomenal response. More than 100 country backers backed us. Uh, and at that point of time, raising 100K for us was a huge thing. So, you know, that basically became the seed fund that we needed to build or boot out and, and release it. And uh, you know, once we released it, the it has been an amazing uh, you know, growth stage for all for boot year on a year. It has been growing roughly 3x year on a year. It's an AR globe where you can download the app on any smart device. It can be a phone or a tablet or iPad. And then when you scan the globe using our app, we basically load in gamified experience, which is all 3D animated on top of the globe in an AR format. And, you know, kids for the first time who are seeing them, they get amazed. They start looking at the globe, something is coming out of the globe or, or what's happening. And after that, we know that that's just the first impression. But after that is, you know, we have humongous amount of content. It's kind of a Wikipedia where kids, you know, just keep absorbing every country. What's the culture, food, monuments, uh, anime. So they just love those games uh, around the globe. Uh, Beyond the Orboot Earth that we released in 2017, we now have three globes in the series, Orboot Dinos and Orboot Mars. Uh, So that's Orboot. PluGo was something that we launched in 2019 as a more uh, versatile platform, something like Nintendo of 90s, where, you know, you first get the, the, the Plugo system in-house with the gamepad, and you get any of the uh, of the products under Plugo. Let's say Plugo Count, which is around numbers, and, you know, getting kids interested in number line, addition, subtraction, greater, lesser, all the fundamentals. And once kids are absorbed into the Plugo gaming system, you can then go for an additional product, which is around letters and word building, or tunes, which is piano learning. All of these are you know kind of cassettes partial the pr- partial price very easy to for you to upgrade but we have large number of choices so as kids progress in one skill or the other you always get another choice from Plugo uh, or and Play Shifu for you to get so Plugo has been our modular platform uh, one and a half years now extremely strong in in growth mm-hmm. and uh, we are launching many new things in Plugo this year TACTO is a recent launch. We just launched it, uh, and uh, it's it's a very different interaction. In Orboot and Google, we used AR. Uh, in TACTO, we used we built up a new technology called uh, touch, touch tag, basically. So it, we are using the touch interaction, which already exists on, on phones and tablets. But we have converted it into a, a figurine-based gamified play. So we are converting your tablets into board games, where we have provided you figurines, which are custom designed by us. And when you place those figurines on top of the, the tablet, the tablet understands that you have placed uh, which figurine, and then the interaction around that figurine happens. So we have created multiple board games uh, on on Tacto. Some of them are very popular, like you know, Ludo, Checkers, Chess, Snakes and Ladder, mm-hmm. and some of them are own take, some new, innovative uh, uh, interactions like laser, signs of uh, signs of light. Uh, so 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 that's how the Tacto goes. Uh, that's
0: like I mean I don't know, it just blows my mind. I mean. Uh... So let's sort of get into that a little bit more. And and, and I love playing sure. chess. I'm not very good at it, but I love playing chess. Uh, so explain a little bit about how it combines, uh, you know, AR and the the physical chess board game.
1: Sure, sure. So uh, you know, in a physical chess board game, what you do is you lay out the board, you you place uh, the two sets of uh, you know pieces, and the other player is sitting across, and then you're playing, uh, and you know, you have to finish the game. Rarely somebody leaves the chessboard as it is and goes out and then comes back to continue, um, but the whole experience of getting your time, seeing the, the board layout all the time, holding the figurines uh, and and placing them forward and back is what makes chess so unique, right? Uh, and that's why the chess apps, although they're you know downloaded in huge numbers, they don't get the same experience of uh, of the physical chess setup. So we took the best of the both worlds, right? So we basically have. Figurines, which are chess figurines uh, that are custom made by us and we have the digital chess experience. Now what you do is you pick up a chess figurine like pawn or, or a king and when you tap it on the digital square on which king is standing, it shows all the options that the king can move. Mm-hmm. And so kids who are not uh, aware of, you know, or not played chess much, it basically tells you where all uh, uh, king can move and then you can take one of those moves. Mm-hmm. There's another mode in the app where it predicts the, the opponent player's move. So when you take a move, it tells you what the opponent is going to move after that. So you can backtrace your move uh, after seeing the opponent move so that you can practice like this and start thinking in terms of multiple moves ahead rather than just one move. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is all for, you know, for kids who already know a little bit of chess. We have made tacto chess in a manner that we want to get somebody started who have never seen chess. Mm-hmm. And we have gamified with character stories, uh, uh, you know, make them understood what rook is and how rook moves and what are what is the special characteristics of bishop and how it moves. So we, we gamified it to such an extent that kids will feel like, oh, they are playing some kind of game and slowly it is building up over time till they finally become pro at chess.
0: Mm. And uh, with, with Orwood, actually, yeah, uh, in fact, uh, I was going to ask you, uh, TACTO won uh, an award as well, right? This year, uh, an international award
1: yes so, so we won uh so for tacto we won the ces innovation award uh, at uh, you know at las vegas typically this happens uh, when we go to las vegas uh, but this year it happened virtually but yes we won the the ces innovation award uh, for tacto
0: and, and what was the specific innovation that they recognized
1: uh, it was the f- digital setup of a, using touch for a digital setup so the greens that conduct ha- electricity via hand and then you know make the touch happen and, and then the experience around it
0: Hmm. And this, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you also have some patents and you filed for some around this idea of the digital uh, activity.
1: Absolutely. yeah. So we have three patents, Uh, all three platforms, uh, you know, have unique interactions and and the way we have built it, all three are patented.
0: Hmm. And uh, I recall, in fact, I was going back and reading a small uh, piece that I had written about you uh, back in 2019, July, I think just around the time you had raised your Series A funding about $7 million. Uh, You'd right. said that uh, Orboot 2.0 was going to come out around that time. Uh, so, right. uh, where is it uh, at now and uh, what are the new features?
1: Absolutely, so Orboot 2.0 physically came out uh, that same year. Uh, you know, We uh, amplified the overall physical experience, uh, the, the, the base, the arc, the globe, the shine, the, the, the texture, the longevity. We took one step above and we made it you know world-class in terms of physical uh, appearance of the product. Uh, in terms of digital experiences uh, we launched 2.0 experience in Orboot Dino where we created a virtual uh, environment so you while you're playing with globe yes if you don't have the globe you can load the dinosaurs in your own living room or in the hall uh, by creating a, an AR experience and then walk around the dino feed it uh, you know take a selfie with it so that's the second experience wow. that we launched
0: okay amazing you you've also developed a parent hub right i mean tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah so parent hub is something that was a very popular demand you know we got a lot of emails and messages from parents asking us tell us more about how my kid is doing what he has learned how can i go further so you know we culminated all of the queries and said that this deserves a portal where the parents can go and you know not only learn about how their kids are doing on playshipping products But in general, uh, kids in the age group of three to 10 uh, have so much to learn and it is not so formal. Uh, You know, what happens is there are so many informal skills which don't have a curriculum designed around them. And how do parents navigate this? Uh, So that's why we created Parent Hub, where we have mapped out the growth journey of a three to 11 year old, according to 20 different skills. And, you know, told what is the journey of a five year old or six year old, what should they be doing? If you have a playshifu product, the analytics comes there, you can see the dashboard and say, okay, what questions it is solve? what was the accuracy, what you should inspire them to try more, uh, and if you don't have a playshifu product, then it shows you all about that skill, what you can do, some soft assessments that you can do without involving any kind of test with kids. And, and and then take the next step of you know uh, ex- getting kids involved in some kind of activity so that's what parent hub is our vision for parent hub coming soon is to convert it into a community where they can start asking questions and you know other's parents can answer or experts can answer those questions
0: oh, awesome so like a bit of a quora for children and parents okay
1: exactly that's what the creation
0: awesome. is. Um, Okay, so let's also get to know a little bit of the business of Play Shifu. You sure. ship to many, many countries. Give us an update on your biggest markets.
1: Sure. So right now we sell in about 30 countries, but some of our biggest markets are U.S., Canada, U.K., Germany. Uh, Japan, South Korea, India obviously, uh, these are some of the biggest countries uh, but we now have presence in about 30 countries. Uh, the idea is we will not be expanding further but we will we'll be going deeper into these countries uh, by one having presence in both retail as well as online and second taking all of our products in all of these countries and your launches. To make sure uh, wherever we are present, the Play Shifu brand is present with you know all the wide spectrum of products it, it offers. So so that's what our vision is for the next one and a half two years.
0: Hmm. You've been working to get get your toys into schools as well. So tell us about uh, how many schools use your toys today. Uh, how many children overall uh, you know has uh, Playshifu touched?
1: Sure. So overall, if you see, uh, you know, we have about 700k uh, kids on our platforms. So seven lakh kids on our platforms across the world. Uh, schools was a big priority for us in 2020, and we had a lot of plans. But because of pandemic, uh, you know, schools closed and our plans were halted. But before the before you know we made up our plans, what happened was there was a lot of organic uh, buying that happened, and we basically went into about thousand schools in US and about 200-300 schools in India, where the teachers and coordinators already figured out, you know, the interactive learning toys and bought it and started using it in schools. So we did not offer any formal, uh, you know, approach to this, where we told them this is the, the curriculum-based design and you can customize the learning. It was just ad hoc consumer product that they bought and started using it in, uh, in the schools. But in 2020, we started building up a more, you know, targeted approach towards a product, which can, version, which can be used in schools, where... Teachers will have controls in their dashboards of you know what to practice with what kid. So suppose you know a class of 30 is playing with Pluto Count, which is numbers. The, the teachers will have the capability to tag three students who can, who can practice multiplication now, and five students who will practice addition and multiplication. So so the questions in the games will come like that. So it it is highly customizable because we have the support of all those uh, you know learning modules.
0: Hmm. And you've also raised uh, your Series B funding recently, I think $17 million. Uh, tell us right. a bit about uh, how you're going to use this money. Who are the important investors?
1: Sure. So, uh, Inventors Capital led the round and we had Cherate, Ardhinosh Fund. fund uh, you know, again participate. Inflexor joined this time uh, as, as a new investor. Uh, so, so that was the round. Uh, the primary purpose of the round was to one is to expand on the product lines we have many new exciting uh, ideas that we want to uh, build on uh, and we are building on new technologies also uh, which can still merge the physical and the digital so we'll be doubling down on our product roadmap and and you know scaling from about 10 products right now to 30 products in in two years mm-hmm. uh, beyond that market presence in key countries uh, we will be establishing a small team in the us because that's one of our biggest markets uh, and, uh, you know, going deeper into the other countries in terms of presence in retail and, and online. So we will be building small teams around that. So team building uh, and, and product roadmap are two biggest use case. Third is, you know, marketing and, and branding. Hmm.
0: So today there is a lot of interest in AR and VR and uh, companies like Microsoft call it mixed reality. Uh, so just give us a sense of... Uh, what this technology is how does it actually work maybe a bit of history of uh, vr and ar as well
1: sure so so ar and vr actually go way back right so the first time researchers started uh, doing something around it was probably 1960s or something where you know uh, in the labs they created experiences where they can show something which is not real to to, to a user hmm. and although the the hardware was big that time uh, you know the chips the the motherboards everything was big so the the setups for ar and vr were huge in early 1980s uh, when you know some of the experiences came out uh, with the moore's law advancement everything has bec- has started becoming smaller and smaller and uh, it was as early as, you know, Oculus release uh, that we started seeing more, you know, compact form factor uh, experiences for, for, uh, for VR uh, or, or AR in, in that sense. The basic difference, if you see, is, you know, VR completely cuts you off uh, from the real world. It projects a, an unreal world in front of your eyes and you can't see any part of your real world. So you, it's completely closed out box. And that's why it is... It is not mass appeal because it, 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 it can be can only played by adults who know this and they are not moving around. Uh, it can be really harmful if you you know start moving around with VR, VR headsets. So it has really gained popularity in gaming, like Oculus group uh, where you know passionate gamers are playing that. It has also started seeing a lot of applications in training, like for example healthcare training or you know flight simulation trainings where uh, professionals know what they are doing. So so that kind of environment VR really works. AR is something uh, which is more inclusive in nature. So AR is something which overlays information on top of the real world. Mm. So, you know, it's, uh, the, the earliest consumer example of AR is the Google Glasses, which overlaid, you know, text in front of your uh, real world field. Mm. Whether the text is date or notification, that's the simplest use case. Mm. Uh, but the latest forefront, which is saying, which is going to be the breakthrough is mixed reality. Right? Mixed reality is something which merges the physical and the visual. AR doesn't really merge, it overlays. But mixed reality is what merges. So when you have a digital content, you know, floating around in front of your feed, but it goes behind the the real world physical content, that's when you say that the, the two realities have merged. And that's what mixed reality is. Um, for mixed reality, you need to sense your environment and uh, you need to understand what is there. So there's a sofa, there's a TV, there's a uh, bed, you have the, the, the software and the, sorry. Software and the analysis have to understand uh, what the environment is and then load the experience around it. So so that's what the three technologies are and uh, a lot of explorations have gone behind it. A lot of money has gone behind it. Companies like uh, Magic Leap have raised humongous amount for mixed reality hmm. in the recent time. HoloLens we already know about, uh, hmm. so, so that's the landscape.
0: Hmm. So uh, give us a couple of good examples of the kinds of things that might be possible in the fortua- foreseeable future. I mean, in the enterprise world, you know, there are already things like digital twins and so on. So I'm, to my mind, I'm just thinking a combination of such things and mixed reality could probably find applications in everything from maintaining oil pipelines to smart cities to uh, maybe even uh, autonomous driving. Uh, so, so what kind of things might be possible?
1: No, absolutely. So as you said, uh, enterprise, there are huge applications because these are professionals using it. So they don't care about the user experience and how seamless uh, the experience is. It's not entertainment. So you're, you're not calling out for, you mm-hmm. know, the, the quality, but it's the primary purpose is the meeting the objective of, of uh, you know, what you're trying to do. Yeah. So we see huge applications in training, for example, big machineries, uh, you know, uh, healthcare, a lot of uh, you know surgeries are now being tried on VR first where the doctors are being trained on uh, such kind of setups. So uh, a lot of application in enterprise and, uh, and trained professionals, uh, industry specifically. Uh, what creates a lot of buzz though is the consumer side of things and consumer side of things needs a lot of polish in terms of consumer experience. So what, you know, Apple did with phones uh, to bring them to this era, uh, somebody has to do that, uh, and that requires a lot of hardware, uh, you know, research and innovation, and getting the the visual display out to the smallest format. So that is still a lot, uh, you know, it's actually a few years away, uh, but enterprise is what will pick up very fast and and early. Fair enough.
0: Uh, How do you see the evolution of uh, different technologies. I mean, like artificial intelligence, uh, AR, VR, uh, maybe five G or six G connectivity, uh, even quantum computing. Uh, do you see these different things coming together, and what kind of applications might be possible?
1: Absolutely. So, if you look at the full stack, uh, what is required in a in a mixed reality experience? It requires excessive. Uh, excessive computing required on the on the motherboard because of large amount of 3D data that comes in, and 3D data is multi-dimensional, constantly changing because your feed is changing. So if you know if the amount of data that a typical mobile or computer kind of processes, imagine you know 1,000 time amount of data coming in uh, at a, at, a, at any point of time. That kind of processing is humongous. And then what we want is another layer of interaction where human interaction starts. You know, for example, if you put a hand like this. Uh, something pauses. If you pick up like this, things move. So that's large amount of computation happening, uh, for which right now hardware is still a little bulky, like you see on HoloLens. So with with hardware technology progressing, these things are going to get smaller and smaller, and and thus it making the user experience much smoother. With 5G, the amount of data, for example, right now, if you want to use HoloLens, you need a very strong connection, internet connection or an offline experience to store uh, the, the processed data somewhere. Now, that is fine for a prototype or an enterprise experience, but if you want a consumer experience of you know, browsing through movies and watching a movie in VR, you want that to be streamed. And that streaming, the number of pixels to be streamed are huge. For that, you need much higher bandwidth, and, and for that, uh, 5G and 6G will definitely be, uh, will be required. Uh, so while these technologies will actually be at the forefront of other things, they will be tremendously impactful in progressing the use case of mixed reality further as we go along.
0: Hmm. Uh, back at uh, Play Shifu, uh, what are your next big steps?
1: Roadmap is very aspirational. Right now, this year itself, we have just now launched four products. We have another four coming in in next three months. So, so that's the biggest priority of the org right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we basically are also going all out in terms of the skills, the research, the community that we are building in Parent Hub, uh, and getting subject matter experts on board uh, is is another big priority. And uh, this OND uh, is you uh, know the. It's another big October November, December that season is the holiday season in the West uh, where toys uh, it's the biggest toys become the biggest category in e-commerce. and this is the first OND after pandemic where people are relatively uh, feeling safe because of you know vaccination drive. So it's gonna be big so we are gonna we are going to prepare uh, really well in terms of our positioning uh, for the holiday season this.
0: Okay, one question from the folks who saw our uh, Instagram live session this morning. Uh, there is a fair amount of interest in uh, your entrepreneurial entrepreneurial journey itself. Let me just see if I can scroll down to this question. Yeah, so here's here's one question from uh, somebody with uh, ID Ruchit underscore 118. Uh, Ruchit asks, uh, before play Shifu, was there uh, anything else that you tried? Uh, did it work or did it fail? What were the reasons?
1: Yes, uh, so while I was in US, uh, you know, straight out of actually Stanford, Uh, My first uh, thought was, I'm going to start something of my own. So Mm -hmm. with one of my batchmates, I started uh, RentZ, which was an online marketplace for uh, consumer product rentals. So we were connecting uh, people who wanted something for a short term basis, uh, like one day or two days, and connecting them with businesses who were renting out. So we created a platform and we scaled quite well in six to seven months. But uh, it ended up uh, being, uh, you know, we had to shut it down because of a couple of reasons. One is we were still on, uh, we did not have H1B in the U.S. and we did not get H1B through our own startup. So because of the immigration uh, issues, we had to stop. And I I joined eBay uh, to launch one of their new products. Uh, and, and other reason is uh, all, all three of us, you know, I, I understood that to build a team and to motivate and, and you know, help them achieve something bigger, uh, there was still a cultural gap for me to build a team outside India. I was probably not ready for it, uh, so I, I felt a lot more comfortable building a team of people who I understood I could call family, and, and that's why I came back and started something uh, in India. Hmm. Uh,
0: another question from uh, Jitendra underscore Rawat. I'm going to slightly modify the question. Uh, sure. Basically, uh, if I get the sense right, you know, is there a way? Uh, that someone can figure out when it's a good time for, you know, him or her to jump into entrepreneurship. I mean, it's a big decision, very challenging. So how does one figure out when it's a good time to start up? Uh,
1: that's a tough one, you know, you never really know, uh, so they, nobody can tell you or internally also you never get, get that conviction that mm-hmm. now is the time to start up. Right? There's, uh, any time is a good time to start up. I think what you need to see is you have covered yourself for you know financial viability. You are not stressed out. If you're stressed out financially and you're trying to start up, it's not going to work out. Uh, so you need to cover your bases in terms of you know keeping aside nine months where you're not uh, you're feeling secure in terms of financially, and then you can go ahead and and, and uh, you know take a, an attempt at it. Second is you know you you must see that somebody is sharing a vision with you. If you're a first time entrepreneur, it's so much tougher if you are working on this alone so first time entrepreneurs must find somebody who shares the same vision and passion but has you know contradictory skills which can together add to make a, a bigger uh, you know a bigger effort together.
0: okay fantastic uh, that was wonderful vivek uh, great conversation as uh, truly uh, uh, something worthwhile uh, thank you for making time for this conversation and we hope to keep the conversation going
1: thank you so much Ari, great talking to you you.
0: So that was uh, Vivek Goel, Co-Founder and CEO of PlayShifu, makes some really interesting toys. Uh, That's it for uh, this week's uh, Startup Fridays. Uh, Next week, I'll be back with a deep tech VC investor. Uh, Until then, wherever you are, I hope you're staying safe and doing well.